Welcome to the inaugural episode of Women of Armor, a podcast dedicated to women of faith and to seekers. I am your host, Jenny Goncher, and it is a privilege to be here. We have an incredible lineup of women who are going to be talking about all of the things we were taught not to talk about at the dinner table. Politics, religion, money, spirituality, mental health, family, men, relationships, love, friendships, and the world. It's going to get really exciting, and I hope that you feel some healing from this. I hope it invigorates conversation. I believe that it will. I 100% know that women have powerful spirits to bring healing to those around them, and we want to do it for each other also, and that's the whole point of these incredible conversations. So here we are, Women of Armor, podcast one. It's a little bit rough of a cut, but we had to get it going. We are walking in Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God. We're here to bring some good news, and we're 100% on your team. My first guest is very special to me. I've known her my whole life, and we've just recently become very good friends. Her story is courageous and brave to tell, and you'll understand why once you hear it. We wanted all of this to be really perfect with the perfect bells and whistles of a podcast. That's not the way this went down. Every gate in hell tried to stop us from telling the story of every gate in hell that tried to kill us. And so we went ahead and did it anyway. So you're getting a raw, very raw, uncut version of a conversation that I had with my dear friend, Caroline Ritter, discussing postpartum depression, mental health, psychosis, recovery, marriage, love, and motherhood. Welcome to Women of Armor. Welcome to the first, the inaugural episode of Women of Armor, a podcast that is completely dedicated to women who are faith-based, who are seekers, who are going through hard times, who are on top of the mountain. We're going to be talking about a lot of things. Um, We're going to be talking about everything from politics, religion, spirituality, mental health, motherhood, careers. And the purpose of this is just to invigorate and to encourage and to hit some hard topics. It's going to get uncomfortable. That's how we like it because that's where the meat is. So my first guest is Caroline Ritter. Caroline is a dear friend. I've actually known Caroline her whole life. Um, We grew up in the church together. We are different ages. I'll have her go for her age in a minute. Uh, (laughs) But Caroline has an incredible story of faith and an incredible story of recovery. And she is, Carolyn, where are you talking to us from today? My bedroom here in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, just sitting in my rocking chair. Cape Girardeau, in your rocking chair. That's nice. Caroline is a real estate agent. She's a businesswoman. She is a wife and a mother. 
Um, and she has an incredible story of postpartum depression. Um, I think she will probably go into a complete mental break discussion of what happened to her. And she experienced some psychosis, deep anxiety, and most of this stemmed out of her postpartum depression. So we're gonna be talking about Caroline's faith before this happened, where it is now, what got her through. It's raw and we're going to keep it that way because we don't believe we can get to any of the solutions unless we're completely authentic. So this is her story and it is a privilege to have you with us on the inaugural episode. Honestly, it's a complete honor. I know that this is an act of courage and this is very brave of you to talk about this. I wanna thank your husband, Evan, also for allowing you to share this story collectively as you know the team that you guys are. I know this has been painful for him as well and he has been incredibly supportive and a man of God through this. So thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me, Jenny. You approached me just a couple weeks ago about this and I always felt like God will put people in my life that want me to talk about it. And um, whether that be just you and I one-on-one, -on -one, whether that be a bigger reach of people, he will put people in my life um, where I'm supposed to talk about this hard topic. And so it's a privilege to be here with you today. And thank you for asking me to talk about this. You're so welcome. It was completely- in my life, so. Yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, I think that one of the things I should lead with and let people know is that um, I have dealt with depression for decades. And while God has delivered me from my deepest depression, I do still struggle. I do still have, you know, major moments. Um, I recently had one where, uh, you know, I had a lot of trauma responses to some things that were unfair to some people in my life. And that is a cycle of understanding and learning. And so what we are hoping to get out of this podcast today is that we're just real women who are doing everything we can together, supporting each other to get through whatever life may bring us. And sometimes that's, that's hard to talk about. And sometimes it's really dark. You know, depression and mental health affects so many women. And it is very clear to me looking back over the last um, 12 years of my life that I did have postpartum depression with my first child and I didn't realize that's what I was experiencing and I never really came out of it until recently. Um, it manifested itself over and over again in different areas of my life. While we talk about mental health on kind of a superficial level, I don't think that women really feel comfortable, especially after they've had a child, saying, I'm struggling. And that is not, you know, that it's actually very um, understandable. It is not uncommon. I don't want to say it's, you know, normal. I, I'm not sure how to say that, but it's not uncommon. And I still experience moments, days, weeks where I recognize I am in a situational experience with the depression that I have dealt with. And now I have the tools to deal with that. So um, I wanted to lead with that just so that everyone watching or listening would understand that this is so near to me because it can be destructive if it goes undiscussed, unrecognized. A lot of times we don't know that we're going back 
to that place and you have an enormous amount of experience because your recovery was very intense. So, so Caroline, it would be great for you to be able to tell us your story and just kind of start from the top of what happened. And I may interject with some questions. I just want it to be comfortable for you and as honest as you feel like being. Absolutely. So I um, got pregnant with my first baby girl and had her on October 11th of 2019. Um, everything was easy breezy. It was great. It was a super fast C-section. Um, and my postpartum anxiety and depression started in those early days after giving birth. And we all recognized that. It wasn't something that I wanted to even label as that because I still felt so funny about it. I still was in control and I I didn't want people to know that I was struggling, um, but I did seek help medically early on um, for that postpartum depression and anxiety within about a week after having her. Um, so I was put on medicine a week after having her and thought, okay, I'm good to go. I've taken care of this, you know, I'm, I'm fine. And so uh, after a, a couple of months passed, um, there was a lot of things that had happened in my life that were uncontrollable that I couldn't control. I don't do well whenever I cannot control things. Um, there were a lot of hard times, fresh out of having a baby, dealing with postpartum anxiety and not really thinking that I was dealing with it, if that makes sense. I was on medication and I was good. I was working out, I was fine, I was working all the time, baby girl was healthy, Evan was great. And so all these things kept happening in my life that were out of my control completely. And um, March rolls around of 2020 and we start hearing about COVID. And so for me and where I was in my mental health journey looking back, that just completely changed everything for me. And that's whenever I started really looking back, not becoming, I was not well at all. Can you explain why maybe that happened or why in reflection, what that event of COVID happening and kind of the shutdown, how that impacted you? Fear. Okay. Um, all fear. Terrified. Yeah. Terrified that something was going to happen to my baby girl. Terrified that we were going to be stuck in our houses and trapped and all these things came over me. It was just not good. My anxiety was through the roof and I couldn't control any of it. None of this I could control. I tried to keep baby girl safe, do all the things that we needed to do during this pandemic that nobody knew anything about. You know, it was early on. And so we noticed my anxiety getting a lot worse. We as in me and my husband, my close family members. So with that being said, I went back to the doctor and it was a big step for me to go back and talk about those hard things. It was very, very big for me. So doctor again and she said yes you're experiencing postpartum anxiety and depression to a whole nother level you need to be on a higher dose of this mm -hmm. so they changed my medication once again and I'm like okay I'm good I'm fine this is what I needed I'm great well turns out that medication kind of made my anxiety depression everything just a lot worse and so from March to April it was really me not sleeping, not eating properly, 
being all over the place, go, 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 work, work, work in an unhealthy way, you know, not resting, not sleeping. And I became manic, psychotic, and a psychosis, whatever you want to call it, um, April 9th around then, April 12th, I was admitted on Easter um, of 2020, the psych ward in Dexter, Missouri, also known as the behavioral health unit. Um, and those days prior to that, it was really, my psychiatrist told me this from day one, you will remember every single thing that you say and that you do. This is a traumatic experience for you, but you will still remember everything. And I do. And I think for me now, looking back, that's kind of the hardest part is because I do remember it all. Yeah. Um, but I was admitted on um, April 12th, like I said, on Easter. And then I was released from the psych unit that next Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, so I was there for a total of around five days. And then once I got home, we dug into deep, deep therapy, deep meetings with my psychiatrist, all the stuff, all the doctor's appointments, all the everything so that I could get well. Um, and it truly changed my life. Um, it has not been the same since. And for me, it was, it's still hard for me to talk about it in a spiritual way because it was so moving and it was so changed everything the way my faith is now today, the way I have a relationship with Christ. It was, it's totally different than it was prior to my mental break is how I like to say things. Um, and it's been amazing. It's been hard, but I knew when this happened to me, this was not something that I wasn't going to talk about. And I don't want to talk about it in a way that scares people because it is a very, very scary thing. It's a very real thing, but I also want new moms, struggling moms, people that aren't even moms, to know that there is help out there and that you can talk it's about And it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's totally okay. It happens to a lot of people and you never know about it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's so important to me is just talking about it, talking about my experience, talking about the healthy ways that I coped with it and didn't cope with it, you know? ignoring it and thinking I was fine for months mm -hmm. was not a healthy way to do things, but that was my way of staying in control. Um, well, that was, that was your way of not just staying in control, but taking care of your life. I mean, I think that is also something that we could touch on for just a second. And it strikes a nerve with me because, um, you know, as moms, we have this idea of what it's supposed to look like you know, how it's supposed to go. And you have this beautiful new child. Um, you know, when I had my daughter um, in 2009, I did not feel an attachment to her immediately. And that was terrifying. It was also terrifying to tell anyone that. Um, so I think it's really important for women to understand in young moms that it, whatever you experience after childbirth is normal. Whatever it is, is your normal. And you can't be afraid of it. You have to be willing to tell someone. You have to be willing to talk about that and share it because we're really in this together. You know, 
hundreds of years ago, women would just circle around each other for support after having a child. We're in a totally different world now. You know, we have mothers and grandmothers and friends and those things, but it, it does look different. You know, we're in an environment where women are not nearly as available as we once were and our responsibilities are different. There's a lot of pressure there to, I think, perform as a new mom even. Um, and you don't know what that's going to look like. So I get the control. I think a lot of women listening are going to be like, yeah, I raise my hand, totally need to control the situation. And we still do that, right? Um, but there is a mental health component to what that looks like. And it is okay to feel out of control and need help. And so my out of control taking all the control away from me because it had gotten so out of hand was being in the psych ward with no control over anything. Mm. Nothing. I didn't see my baby. I didn't see my husband. I didn't breastfeed. The first time I had been away from her and she was not at my bed. You know? How many months was she, Caroline, when you went? Six months to the almost day. She, you were admitted when she was six months old. April 11th, she was six months old. April 12th, I was admitted. So um, I was still breastfeeding at the time and she was still sleeping in our room next to us. So taking all of that and having no control and trying to fight my way out of where I was, even though I was so up and down, it makes sense to me, but it doesn't probably make sense to everybody else um, because I think everybody's own mental health journey and where they are kind of makes sense to themselves, but not necessarily to everybody else. I was up and down all over the place there. I was as happy as can be, loving life, loving no phone, loving the freedom of not even knowing what time it was. But then I also was so angry to be there and so upset and devastated to be away from my baby girl and husband. What was the anger? Was the anger at yourself? Was it at others? Others. Everybody else was wrong. I was right. I had this false imagination that I was someone else. Um, these beliefs that I was saying things that were right and that were truly completely out of this world and just only something a psychotic person would say. Um, but when you're in that psychosis, you truly believe those things. I truly believed a week before I went into the psych ward, somebody was going to break into our house and harm us. Just these things that you cannot control. And I, I needed to control them. And that's what made me so sick mentally is that I could not. And so being in the mental hospital, I was so angry that no one was listening to me and that everyone was saying I was wrong. And I just wanted to be out. I just wanted to be out of there. Um, however, it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me being there and being with the people that were just like me, mm -hmm. broken people on a broken hospital floor in the middle of COVID where no one even knew what was happening, um, dealing with things that we all deal with, depression, anxiety, bipolar, psychosis, like for me, um, really, really deep, hard things. And in the middle of it all was Jesus everywhere for me personally. Did you feel uh, at the time or is that in reflection? Oh, at the time. Yeah. How did, how so? 
I mean, that looks so different for everyone. How did you recognize that Jesus was with you when you were in, you know, probably some of the darkest moments of your life? Um, and this is the part where I get emotional about it and it's okay to get emotional about it. Um, my prayer has always been since I was young for my heart to be broken for what breaks God's heart. Yeah. For so long, I thought that that had happened and it had in certain ways of my life, but my heart had never been broken, um, for mental health and for seeing it firsthand, like what I saw um, as it was on that psych floor. Um, the people that I was with, not only the patients, but the staff, the nurses, the techs, the people running the whole facility, everyone there was part of me getting well. The doctors, the nurses, everyone played such a huge role in that. And it was, I can't tell you how mean I was to some people. I mean, some people I was truly horrible to, and they still showed me grace and love through it all. Yeah. And to me, there's no other perfect representation of what Jesus really is, is he meets us right there in our hardest, darkest times through those people, mm-hmm. through all of them. And so for me, that was where I saw him the most I've ever seen him, not just in the people I was with, the patients, but the staff, um, my family members my husband to show up and still give me grace after the things that I had said and done and the things that I was threatening. Um, I've never been shown that before in that kind of way. And my heart's never been broken for people who struggle with mental health, just like I did. You know, it's not something we, I feel like we talk about enough. And so that's why I'm here talking to you. You are. Um, you know, yeah, it isn't something that we talk about enough and it can even be hard to recognize it in ourselves later on, you know, but it is something that I know that so many families struggle with. It's very real and there's so much shame around it and God is not shame, right? So we know that when someone is struggling, that is just where they, that's where they are. They don't, they don't want to be in that place. And it can be very difficult to show grace. And it sounds like you had an, an abounding endlessness of that. Overwhelming amount of it. That's amazing. Especially, especially from my husband. Um, Cause out of everybody, he was probably the one I was most terrible to not purposeful because I was out of my mind but the things that I had said and done prior to me even going in the psych ward and then being there and being so frustrated that he wouldn't get me out it was for love I mean he didn't want to send me there he was terrified um but he did it out of love and I just at the time couldn't see that so that's the shame and the guilt that you talk about that I'm still dealing with today that I'm still trying to work through um the things that were said and the things that had happened, even whenever I know I was out of my mind and it wasn't really me, I still said those things. And I still threatened things that is truly unbelievable. How do you today, so you've, you've gone through intense therapy. You have an incredible therapist. You have amazing friends. I know your friends. I know a lot of them. They're amazing. I love these girls, these women. Um, a lot of them, I'm just becoming 
aware of as far as who they are as as human beings and you have an outstanding group of women and you know i think it's important to recognize that god gives us people you know god just gives us people and he takes care of us through people. I, I really believe that is the hands and feet of Jesus when we talk about the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, being Christ, we're so flawed. I mean, I still deal with deep, deep shame of when I have, you know, any kind of an experience that brings me back to where I was. You can't, you almost can't believe that you're there again in any way. That any, any of these thoughts, any of these behaviors have resurfaced. Um, and, you know, I think that a lot of women feel like we should just be recovered. You're just recovered. Now you're better. That was over. That's over now. And we're going to, we're just going to, you know, pick it up by your bootstraps, move on. It's not reality, you know? Um, I was talking to a friend recently about a situation and I had a lot of trouble after I came out of these things, making decisions. I didn't trust myself. And I just wonder what were some of the things or what are some of the things that you still deal with, um, that seem like, how am I still dealing with that? Um, one of the biggest things for me, and I don't like to speak for my husband when he's not here, but I would say for him as well, um, it's almost like it, it, those times that it just takes you completely back to where you were. If I have a night where I don't sleep well, um, I get so nervous thinking, what if I'm going back to where I was? Um, so the sleep is so important for me in my own personal journey. I sleep now with the help of medication, I sleep and I sleep great. But there are nights just like everybody else where I wake up and I worry about something or maybe girls woken me up or the dogs have woken me up, whatever it may be. And I can't fall back asleep. Brings me back to where I was, where I was not sleeping at all. Zero sleep. And my mind wouldn't turn off. And so that's still a struggle. How long did you go without sleeping? We have talked about this before. How long was it? I mean, I, I feel like it was an extended period of time that you did not sleep. So I would say close to a full week with no sleep. But prior to that, like back it up, still a couple hours here, a couple hours there. Um, I was manic. Yeah. Completely manic. And when you're manic... And the more I've learned about it and researched it and talked to people and gone over it and over and over it, your brain does not turn off. And you are thinking these outrageous things that you truly believe are true. And no one is going to talk you out of that. So when everybody comes up to me and says, you are so brave to go get the help that you got, and you are so amazing to go and get help, I did not. I was literally physically taken somewhere because I was right. I was out of my mind and I was not going to go anywhere to get help. I just wasn't. Everybody else was wrong and I was right. And so thinking about for me, and this is just where I am in my journey right now, somehow getting back to that, which we've 
gone over a million times in counseling and with my therapist and everything, how that will not happen and the things that we have to look for immediately whenever I do start to backtrack into a little bit more of anxiety or depression, because that does happen. It's just life. What are the signs that you look for? And for me, a big one, a big one, sleep and eating, um, because I was not eating prior to whenever I got really sick. Um, Not out of a self image thing or anything like that. It was, I was so mentally gone. I I couldn't eat. I didn't have an appetite. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, my two biggest things whenever I feel like people are struggling with mental illness, whatever it may be, you got to eat and got to sleep. You have to, because where I got so, so sick was whenever I went nights and nights of just staying up all night, being completely manic. Now I want to talk about something that is hard for you to talk about, but I know that you will. Um, And I wouldn't ask you if I didn't think that you were okay with it, but even now you have trouble opening your Bible. Um, And I want to touch on that because that is something that I deeply have struggled with when I am feeling shame or when I am feeling um, undeserving or when I am feeling like it is taking me back to a place where I was so overcome with God that I was confused because I was no longer hearing the voice of God. Um, Those are the times when I really struggle with it. And that feels to me terrible um, because it's, it's the place I would, I would go. So can you talk a little bit about what that's like for you? Yeah. So I, um, last time I opened up my Bible was probably the night before I was taken to the hospital and I still have not opened it since. Um, all of the Bibles were taken away from me in Dexter. Um, I became obsessed with it in an unhealthy way. And the thought of me opening the Bible today scares me, terrifies me mm-hmm. that I will somehow go back to where I was mentally because I associate the Bible with that was what I was clinging to most. Um, and he has made that so very clear to me since day one in that psych ward when I was like, where the hell are all the Bibles in this place? You're telling me I cannot find one Bible here. Mm-hmm. So I thought they had hid them all from me, which was very healthy. I didn't need one at the time. He made it very clear to me that he will, he will speak to me the things that I need to be spoken to. There are other ways for me to find scripture and dig into scripture that's not the actual physical Bible. And he will make it very, very clear to me whenever I am ready to be able to open up the Bible again. And that's not right now. Um, just, it, it kind of goes back to, I know Jenny and I have talked about the whole church thing. I have a very, very hard time with church and I have since my mental break. Um, he has made it very clear to me that I don't need the physical church to have him or to even have church right now. I have gone back to multiple different churches and multiple different times, not like I used to. And it's been totally fine and great, but it's also been really hard um, for multiple different reasons. I view the church completely different than I viewed the church. 
prior to my mental break. And I'm just working through those hard things, you know, working through them and talking about them and being open about it. It's hard for me to attend church. It's hard for me to open up my Bible. I've also never been closer to Jesus than I am right now. And I don't have those two things in my life like I did. And he's made it very clear. I can still have him without that. And so, so go ahead. I was going to say that's pretty incredible and powerful. Um, it is not an uncommon theme. It's just one that I'm noticing a lot of women are very uncomfortable talking about and men, you know, God can speak to us anywhere. And if he can't get our attention one place, or if it is not feeding our spirit, he will call us elsewhere, no matter what it takes. Um, you mentioned that you had prayed for most of your life for God to break your heart for what breaks his, which is such a beautiful prayer. And one of the things that a spiritual mentor told me is she said, Lord, I pray every day that you take my children wherever they need to go to know you, but let them live. And I think it's one of the most beautiful and liberating prayers we can pray over our children as mothers, but let's talk about how we prayed over ourselves because without the love of God, I was telling a friend the other day, you know, for those people who don't yet know God or who haven't encountered Jesus or have their own faith outside of Jesus, whatever that is, um, it's so important to be honored in that place wherever you are. It, it really is. And I think the church, I think a great part of the church has forgotten that. Um, and I don't mean, you know, calling out the, you know, individual churches, but as a, as a holistic group, we really are not talking about how people are just where they are. And the church is a hospital. You know, I have thrown myself on an altar. <laughs> in my deepest despair because I didn't think I was gonna live one more day. Um, and I didn't wanna be there. And this was after I'd left the church for five years, flat left it. I mean, called right out, did not go back, did not want to go back, could not walk into a church, could barely open a Bible. Uh, and that was so difficult for me to rectify, you know? And it was women who met me where I was and prayed with me and allowed me to be whatever I was at that time that got me to that next place. You know, I'm churched now, it's a huge blessing, but I wasn't for a long time. I can attribute that to my own mental health. Um, I do not correlate that I had a mental health problem and so I didn't go to church, but I was not going to be salvaged there because that wasn't, that wasn't mine. That wasn't my faith walk and that is okay. So can you talk a little bit about your relationship to church before and where it is now? Cause you have, a, you have a lot of really incredible relationships from the church. Yes, this one's a hard one. Yeah, it's hard. You and I have talked about it. A little bit. You know, we've talked about it, but just not openly. So I grew up in the church always went to church every Sunday, Sunday school, went to all the youth group, everything, young life, you name it all. 
confirmed at Centenary United Methodist Church. That's where my husband and I actually got married, a very special church to us. Then in high school, I switched churches. Um, and the church has always been a safe place for me and a place to go and worship and to learn about Jesus. And I've always loved my Sunday morning church time. Loved it. Evan and I have always, even whenever we were at college, we had that together and it was just awesome. And it was always the same routine thing. We got up on Sundays, we went to church, we do lunch, whatever. Um, after my mental break and after some of the things that I saw and experienced whenever I was in Dexter, um, I had a lot of hatred towards the church and how the church had made certain people feel. Mm -hmm. um, kind of including myself. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure yet why, but even me, you know? I totally get that. I mean, even, I don't know. But more and more, I talked to people that were followers of Jesus, just like me, broken, completely out of their minds all trying to get healthy and back to somewhat kind of normal to get out of this place. I kind of slowly realized how messed up the church was. Um, just to put it in a very honest way. And I'm not sure really right now in my walk of faith where to, to go with it. Church is awesome. Love the church still back there here and there but I have a lot a lot of hard stuff to work through with the church the actual physical church yeah um and God's made that very clear to me that it's okay that's right okay and not everybody will agree with me not everybody will say you know that's that's not okay Caroline you you need to be in church and that's very important and I don't need that right now um I just have a lot of hard stuff I've got to work through and I'm, I'm doing it. I'm working through it and we're, we're going to see where that goes. And I know it's somewhere beautiful and I know it will somehow lead me back to the church in a more scheduled thing. Cause I want my baby girl to be raised in the church. I do. It's important to me, but I also want her to be raised in a way that she is loved and accepted no matter what she does, no matter who she is. And no matter what obstacles she has to go through to find Jesus, mm -hmm. I went through a really ugly one to find him in the most beautiful way. It was not pretty. And I want her to know that that's okay. And I don't want to throw the church completely under the bus here, but I just want to be honest about where I am with it. And since my journey this past almost year and a half now has led me to just work through it slowly and there's no rush to figure it all out right now. I don't know where I'm going with all of it. I know that Jesus is with me and I know that my relationship with Christ, like I've told you, is stronger than it's ever been, just in a totally different way. So that's kind of where I am right now. With the church, I think that's a, a beautiful way to put it. It's so honest. You know, we, I was raised in the church and it is such a foundational part of my life. And I am so grateful that I was. And it, I believe it is important for our children. I also believe it's important for us as mothers to know what we believe and why. 
so that we can speak into the lives of our children and those around us. And when I left the church, I was in such a state of confusion, you know, and the Bible tells us that confusion is not of God. I had to work out my own salvation, if you will, which is my own um, way of living for Jesus, for myself, for my family. I had to work that out on my own. I couldn't have done it there at the time. And so, you know, I think it's very important that women are allowed to listen to their intuition and to what's best for their family when it comes to their faith. Because it's, it's really easy to get into a legalistic experience of rules and rules. <laughs> I don't do great with rules, okay? window in my household. Let me just tell you that. They're gone. <laughs> great with rules. I'm getting better and I am committed. I am committed to it. I'm going to get better with the structure. You're a, lot, you're a lot farther ahead than I am in that part. I'm also going to be 40 this year, Caroline. So <laughs> we have a lot of time between us. You know, I, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking about this as you were talking about, you know, where you were and where you are now. And... On my 30th birthday, we had this big bash. You know, it was a big party. We had so much fun. And I gave a toast to the people that were there for being there for me. And at the end of the toast, I said, I'm so glad that I've entered my 30s because I will not make any more stupid decisions. And I will not deal with any of this depression any longer. And I, you know, I made all of these declarations of, what it was going to look like. And my undoing started about six months later. I mean, a total undoing. And depression and mental health had a, a big, you know, role to play in that. Um, but I left the church in my 30s. And I think so many of us in our late 20s and then into our 30s, it's a, it's a mightily transformational time for women. You know, you've gone through all of these, what you're supposed to do next and what things are supposed to look like. Um, and you really have no idea what that looks like for you at that point. And you've got your friends and um, then you get into motherhood. And you might as well just be throwing the biggest curveball that ever was, you know, because it comes in all shapes and sizes. And I really admire you for being able to tell this story without um, sounding afraid because motherhood is such a gift. The biggest gift. It's the biggest gift. We literally, I saw this thing the other day that said that um, God literally created and chose women to move human beings, to move spirits and souls from the spirit realm to the earth realm. We are, the, we are the mobility for that. We're the conduit. And what a more profound thing could, could we have than to be, to experience that, you know, and not all women get to experience that. And there are women with very real struggles. And I've seen friends who have gone through deep fertility struggles um, and that has thrown them into a sort of, you know, depression. I don't know if you'd say prepartum. I don't know what you'd really say there, but it is surrounding the experience of motherhood. Absolutely. You know, and that is warranted. So 
whatever women are going through, I've heard you say this, you just want them to know that, they, that it is okay and they have a place to go. I, I do want you to talk a little bit more um, before we close about your relationships now um, as far as your, um, your friendships, how you control your boundaries, how you know what's best for you and your family. You know, what does that feel like to you to choose your circle? So I will say that was one of the first things my therapist actually taught me. Um, when Evan and I started going and meeting with her, we kind of started from the very beginning of everything, you know, when struggles in my life started like way back years ago, we started and she looked me dead in the eyes and was like, yeah, you have no boundaries. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Zero with anyone, no boundaries. It's hard for me to say no, like to say yes to everything. And so this past year and a half, learning what boundaries really are and what healthy boundaries are and what unhealthy boundaries are has changed my life. To be able to say no in certain circumstances or certain things or certain situations and feel okay about it, that has completely changed. Um, my relationship with my friends, I see them in such a different way than I did before because I see see them more as I feel like Jesus sees them, which has been so special to me. It's not just my friends, it's just people in general. It's people that I come in contact daily, not just my closest friends or my family. I see them differently than I did before. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been one of the greatest gifts out of all of this is that I look at people differently and I see their hurt. Um, no matter what that may be, mental illness, whatever it is, I see it and I feel it differently than I did before. And so my friendships through all of this have been nothing but complete miracles from God. I mean, all of them. I have some of the greatest friends in the world and I, I don't want to sit here and just brag, brag, brag on my friend group, but they are all, each one of them, each one of them in their own way have been there for me and loved me through this really, really hard time and just been there. And that's all I needed never to judge me, never to sit and ask questions that weren't necessary. They just sat with me where I was and loved me through it and somehow understood it. And some of the stuff that I say and talk about what happened, you can't really understand it because it makes no sense. Whenever I was going through all of that and, and I talk deep into whatever I was manic, my friends it makes no sense it makes sense to me but it makes no sense to other people and they just sit there and they listen and that's the most important thing um is that they meet me exactly where i am and they still love me for who i am and i'm a lot different than i was you know i think that um having women is so important to women there's been like this competition culture built that i'm just not a, i'm just not here for because to know what the woman next to you is going through would take you a day long story, right? And it's, I, 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 do, I tell my friends, I still, I still will say to my friends, I've got, I've got something we need to talk about. I'm not sure if I'm having, you know, 
a trauma response to this, or if I am not thinking clearly, I don't know what's going on with me and I need you to talk to me. How are you still my friend? <laughs> you know, how are you still having this conversation with me? And they say, because we love you. Absolutely. And that is grace and mercy. And we, have, it's grace and mercy. I mean, there's no other words. And when they understand you, it's like supernatural wisdom has been imparted in their spirit. And I want that for all women. I yeah. want all women to just be more accepting and love people exactly where they are. In the middle of their trauma, in the middle of their loss, in the middle of their mental break, no matter what that looks like, in the middle of, like we talked about, fertility issues, whatever it may be, I want everybody to have someone that can meet them right where they are and just love them. That's so beautiful. I've watched you do that. And I have seen you do that. You've done that for me. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. As early as last night, Caroline is on the phone with me and my voice is shaking and I'm feeling like, am I going down into a pit again? And you just talked to me right through that with such grace. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, one other thing I think is really important to touch on. And I'm sure that people will have questions and we can field those if you so choose later on. If once this is posted, it's going to be a little bit rough. Of course, it's our first one, but we just really wanted to just move forward. Um, but something really important is the space that men hold. And I've experienced that space. What is that like? What has that been like for you to have a man who will hold that space for you? That's my greatest gift of all time. Um, because there are days when I truly don't know why my husband stayed with me, what all I put him through. And he did. I think by the grace of God, I don't know what he would say, but I think by the grace of God, because um, there were days when we did not want to be together anymore. Um, and that's the hardest thing for me to talk about because it was on my hardest day, right before I left, it was, and I'm very open with this about to everybody, it was, and it made no sense. Of course it made no sense. I was manic, but it was, I want to kill myself and I want to divorce you. And for me to say those things to the person I love the most, um, that's the guilt and shame that brings me to my knees a lot of the time. And that's the stuff that I'm still working through and will continue to work through. But him, his own father, my own father, my brother, they have all been so incredible. And like I said, just have met me where I am in all aspects of my life, especially being a new mom and work and everything. All of them have been phenomenal. And I've been so blessed with the men in my life that have been here for me and seen me in a place that I thought no one would ever see me. Um, it's been amazing. I, I can't thank my husband enough for what all I've put him through. Um, hold on, Jenny, I just lost you. I'm trying to bring you back up. Remind me later. Okay, are you there? I'm here. Hmm. Well, I'm going to keep talking, but I don't see you. Can, so there you, 
Okay, can you hear me? You're good, keep going. Back to my husband, without talking too much in detail about him, because his own journey with this is very personal and very his own story, because he has a whole different story than I do about this. But I've just been so thankful to have a husband that's been faithful and time and time again showed up for me at my deepest, darkest times. And it didn't stop just once I got out of the mental hospital. It wasn't just like, oh, things were great and we went to counseling and it was awesome. No, it's still hard. We're still in counseling. It's still a battle to figure out, you know, where do I go from here after all the trauma that we went through together as a couple. Um, but it's also been so good for us because it's brought out a lot of stuff that we've never been talked about before with each other in 12 years of being together. It's been incredible for our relationship. So I try to bring out all the positive of that because it was for our own personal marriage. It was extremely, extremely tough, but a lot of positive was brought out of it. And for me personally, that's all just God and how if you truly trust him, he will work his miracles. And if you put in the work and the effort, um, you will still at the end of the day be married to the one you're supposed to be married to. For me personally, that's where I am. Do you think um, that you have a way to express or maybe is there something you could say to men who are listening, to women who are listening? Men struggle with deep depression and mental health as well. And that is certainly not honored often. Um, and men are required to be so strong also. What would you say to a family member or a friend or a spouse or a father who is watching a loved one go through this and they don't understand? Hold them tightly. Listen. And just know that with the proper love and help and medical advice, whatever it may be, but they will get better. They will. And just be in a listening ear and just love them. Like I said, hold them tight. That's what I was given. And that was part of why I'm still here today, sitting, talking to you was because of the men in my life. Patience. That's a big one, Jenny. Patience. Yeah. Be patient. Cause it's not just, they're, they're not just going whatever he or she may be going through. It's not just going to change overnight. It's a long journey and it's a hard one with mental health and um, being present too has been so important to me with my own husband, him being present with me and me being present with him and putting that relationship first above all else. So that's what I would say. Men, men are so important. They're so important and we need them. We need them. We need them. I didn't know that for a long time. And then I experienced it and we do need them so much and deeply. Um, thank you so much, Caroline. Thank you. I, I, you're welcome. And I want to tell you that, you know, as we close out for women who are listening for, I mean, let's just call anybody who's listening. We're women of armor. We are a self-funded organization. Um, I don't even know how organized we are. We're just doing this. Um, and we're talking about really hard stuff. And if you are listening to this or watching this and you have a struggle, 
please reach out to us at womenofarmor.com. Um, this is something that you need prayer for. We are here for that. There are so many resources and we can absolutely direct you to that the best that we can. And even more poignantly, there are people to talk to and you cannot be ashamed and afraid and embarrassed um, or you won't ever get, you won't ever recover because you, you lose yourself in those things like shame. It's really important to have people. And so this is a place of encouragement and that's what this space was created for today. I believe in faith healing. I believe in the laying on of hands. And I believe that the laying on of hands can come in the form of doctors and nurses and all kinds of people and therapists and you know anything. And you've been open about medication and that that has been an important part of your life and your healing is the modern medicine of, of supporting your mental health as you get over these humps and you move through things and you rediscover the balance of your of your own body. And so whatever it is for someone, we are just compelled to tell you that you're not alone. This is real and we're here for it with you. So Caroline Ritter, thank you so much for being the inaugural episode. I'm so honored to be here and thank you for asking me. You're welcome. And I will talk to you very soon. Womenofarmor.com is the uh, website. And eventually you'll be able to find these podcasts on Spotify. We'll have guests from all different ranges um, and all different um, topics and discussions. And we're going to have some men on too. We're going to have some men on who are committed to being there for women and committed to talking about where women need to show up for men too. We're going to do all of these hard things. And I think it's important and exciting. So thank you so much. And thank you for joining us. Womenofarmor.com. Hi, Jenny. Love you. Bye. Thank you for joining us for the first Women of Armor podcast. A little rough it was, but it's going to get better. This episode will be on video very soon. You'll be able to watch the entire thing, including some outtakes. And we're so excited to have you following and joining along as I interview with such privilege some amazing women around the world who are doing incredible things for themselves, their families, and for the kingdom of God. Until next time, womenofarmor.com.